Rugby Banter. It's a podcast about rugby. Uh, buongiorno. It is I, Adam from Johannesburg, who has returned from his holiday uh, in Italy. And it seems while I was away, uh, the the mice were at play, and none of them are here. It's uh, but thankfully, Ant's joining me. Uh, Ant, how's it going uh, in, in the oh. lovely, lovely Cape Town? I mean, it's it's not so lovely today. I think oh. winter has decided that it's finally pitching up. Um, but yeah, no, good, good, good to be on. Nice, um, nice. Thanks, thanks for answering the call. Uh, I know Alex, <laughs> Alex, and Ben uh, and Matt all had commitments, and I think maybe they deserved a heartbreak uh, because I was away. You know, they they put in some hard work. Uh, as as they want so i'm just th- thank you very much for answering the call and uh, oh, also we we just, it's a completely different lineup this week ladies and gentlemen bringing you exclusive content uh that we normally talk about which i don't know if that makes any sense but <laughs> it's uh, be, uh, yeah very fresh perspective from yes, different angles yes exactly I, I mean i was in a foreign country um my main thing about my only interaction with rugby was uh, when we were taking a bus my wife and i from the airport in rome and going into rome we went past these sports fields, and we saw a little soccer stadium. Uh, the little football pitch looked uh, in, in good condition. The stadium was cute. So everything looked great. Next to it were two rugby fields that looked like absolute dog shit. You know, so that just kind of reflects the, the, the way it, uh, Italy views rugby to a certain yeah. extent and the quality of their team. Pretty much. I mean, that's a yeah, pretty pretty good summary. Yes. Um, that's, that, that's more than I saw in Austria. I think we... Both recently come back from some travels, but yes. But I thought I thought Germany were a rising power, uh, so I would imagine that like would be a, a trickle down rugby effect into Austria. But be careful when you refer to Germany as a rising power. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> with, with, with all their with all their history, I, I, I mean, you're sending us pictures of being stuck in snowstorms. Yeah, that was pretty much it. It was, it was good times. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't like snow. It's starting to get a little bit chilly here in Johannesburg. Thankfully. Winter hasn't quite crept in. Also, if you haven't met Italy, ladies and gents, uh, I highly recommend it. it. It's very pretty. So, I guess uh, since since it's you and me, and we can actually be efficient, you know, move into the news. So I know the bands is what people do come for, and I'm sure we'll fill the gap. But Ben, Ben, Matt, and Alex aren't here to to wax lyrical or ask Alex to go on a rant. <laughs> we can try our best to fill in. Yeah, well, I thought it would be quite fun though. If we just let's just do a three-hour episode just to spite them. Yeah, I think so. We can just we can just chat about the vagaries of the world, rugby, Dmac's latest injury, perhaps. So there is so much to talk about. So much to oh, talk yes, about. <laughs> All right. Well, let's just uh, I guess quick, quick a quick overview of today's episode. Uh, we're going to go through the news. I think Israel Folau and his rantings. Uh, that's the main headline. There's also a lot a lot other stuff going on, not just Israel Folau. Uh, obviously, we'll talk about this week's Super Rugby games. Pro 14, I know the Cheetahs won. Nice one, Cheetahs. The Kings got hammered again. So, yeah, sorry. That's just, it seems life goes on. We'll do the uh, Blame game, the uh, sponsored by game. I actually rephrase it. The uh, Blame, game, blame, sponsored by game. Ben, if you're here, I think I got that right. <laughs> I think you got it right the second time around there. Yeah, I think I, think I did. At least you won't blame me, Ant. Well, I, I hope you don't. You don't. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, and, and you don't turn to me. We'll also do the a new feature. It's the Adam Thompson call-out of the week. Uh, Adam Thompson, if you're listening, thank you uh, for engaging with us on Twitter, particularly with Ben and Alex. Uh, he, Adam Thompson, he called out Israel Falah for some of the comments we made, which we'll chat about. And he was very good with the bands with Alex and Ben. So thanks very much for chatting. You're an awesome guy. So with that, we're going to call it the Adam Thompson call out of the week. He called out Israel Falah. Well, the call out of the week, I don't know. It was not quite the blame game of the week. Maybe it's just to honor someone who did well, kind of like the opposite of the blame game. And yeah. What do you think about that? I think that, that that's fair. Okay, cool. No, that sounds good. And I feel like I'm forgetting something. It's a blame game, 
call out of the week. Oh, the stop, drop, and poll. Uh, yes, we, we do have one of those as well. Alex, yes, we do. Yes, Alex was active on the group. So uh, if I forget anything, hopefully we will uh, remember. So, right, let's uh, start Let's start off with the news. And I guess the first one is Israel Falah. He has taken over the rugby verse and all the news of it because of a social media post that he posted on his Instagram account. The I mean, if you are a rugby fan, you've probably heard about it by now. But in it, he kind of damns... Uh, drunks, homosexuals, adulterers, liars, fornicators, thieves, atheists, almost everyone under the sun. And he, he, alongside this picture on Instagram, and he does have three over 300,000 followers, if I can see that picture correctly, he ended up putting quotes in the Bible and that sort of thing. Uh, many, 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 many people took offense, understandably so. And Rugby Australia, after slapping him on the wrist last year for his comments about uh, gay people going to hell, they have finally stood up to him, uh, as have the New South Wales Rugby Union. They've essentially told him, I mean, I don't, I don't have their statements in front of me, but if uh, he doesn't probably issue a full retraction or public apology, something along those lines, their intention is to rip up his contract. Uh, since then, Blah, he, he was first seen in public meeting with the rugby player, well, like the Players Association in Australia, with their official to decide what to do. And there's a lot of news swirling around about how, whether they can sack him, what, what they can do under Australian law, so on and so forth. Overall, massive public relations disaster for all included. And I think Israel Folau is probably the most disliked man in rugby. And uh, I'm on that train, by the way. And um, do, do you dislike Israel Folau the, the, for just being, I don't know, I really, I don't, I don't even know what to call it, actually. I just think it's completely out of line. Uh, yeah, I did. mean... It's, it's, I suppose the, the, the issue centers around like what, what are the limits on free speech and things like that. And, yeah, but yeah. yeah, I mean, as, as we've had a lot of discussion on it, um, leading up to this, this, um, podcast, but yeah. Yeah. Alex really summed it up nicely in that if you've got an influential, <clears throat> if you're in an influential position and irrelevant of whether you believe, you know, hell is a, is a viable destination for people or not, ultimately <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're, 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 you're implying that, um, a certain group of people are, yeah, less complete or more, um, yeah, they, they're lesser people than others. And that, that's very negative and harmful. Um, and yeah, particularly for a group of people that are underrepresented and, you know, do receive a huge amount of uh, discrimination against them. Like comments like that are very, very damning and damaging. Yes. Uh, I think, well, I think you summed it up quite well. I mean, I think what people were talking about is as a, as a highly influential public figure and someone who was a poster boy of Australian rugby, I don't think he'll, carry that status anymore. He was a poster boy of a gay rugby tournament like a year ago. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think, yeah, well, re- recently-ish. So, um, in terms of Flower's personal journey to get to this point uh, of being, uh, I think, uh, I'd probably, not, not uh, just extremely, uh, an extreme believer, I don't know, maybe fundamentalist, I'm not quite sure what the correct word is. He's just very stringent in his beliefs. I think it's important to state that uh, as ERB, you're welcome to believe what you want, but I think as Ant indicated, uh, it's the damage that's been done here and the influence there are. People are obviously entitled to their beliefs and I think the whole free speech debate, the more complicated you make it, the more complicated it is. But ultimately what it boils down to is a senior rugby figure uh, making a public pronouncement that is A, damaging the game because apparently uh, Rugby Australia's sponsors in particular said it was unacceptable and that they wouldn't renew their sponsorships. Uh, so the harm it can cause to the game in Australia could be irrepar- uh, irreparable given the loss of my funds. Uh, the damage you could be doing to gay rugby players, and there are probably a lot more uh, gay like professionals than we know about. I mean, the story of um, Gareth Thomas, 
Is that the right yeah. one? Yeah, the story yeah. of Gareth Thomas. Uh, we'll, we'll tell you all about that. I suggest you do some research on it. And also even even just uh, young gay men, and I want to include uh, gay women as well, you know, uh, as you mentioned. And uh, it's a community that uh, gets bagged on and shat on uh, all the time, uh, which shouldn't happen. And just stuff like this by influential public figures uh, just makes it even worse. So it was just, it was, um, what was the word? I'd say it was just highly irresponsible. Uh, on his part, offensive uh, to many people. I don't, I don't want to like, make judgment calls on that uh, from our perspective as a public forum. Uh, but overall, it was just incredibly upsetting for a sport that is inclusive. I mean, <laughs> I've never played rugby, but uh, from even a spectator point of view, people of all stripes and sizes, they watch the game. And you play rugby, you've played with a whole variation of different individuals from different walks of life, sexualities, all that sort of thing. So I think the main point, and maybe you can just give me your thoughts on this one, is rugby is an inclusive game. And what Falau's preaching here is that he's entitled to his beliefs, uh, but they go against what rugby is about, what rugby seeks to promote. I don't know, what do you want to on that? that? That's completely the point. I mean, everyone's, you know, the most common uh, phrase about rugby is, you know, it is a game for all shapes and sizes, you know, from scrum mm. offs all the way up to giant blocks, like, and props. <laughs> you know, the point is, is that it's, by definition, designed to be as inclusive of everybody as possible. Um, and I think most rugby organizations really try and, take it upon themselves to make it inclusive um you know they try and create spaces mm. where people from all different backgrounds can play and feel included you know you've got the jay-z cats you've got the um sydney uh, convicts like mm. you know they're, they're, they're people the organizations go out of the way to try and create spaces where everyone can really you know enjoy the sport um and as you say comments like this from someone that is a poster boy is very damaging to that brand mm. you know rugby is, is is a slightly marginal sport you know we're not a soccer and therefore, they, you know, the organizations do try very hard to try and um, sell the brand as, as a, as, I suppose, as a good guy type organization. Mm. You know, we, we, I think they pride themselves on not having the same reputation as, say, rugby league, you know, where everyone, every second player has got a drug um, offense against them and things like that. Um, so they do take quite a hard stand on issues like this. And it's good. I think, like, it's, it is important that we, or, sorry, as a rugby community that mm. they, you know, try and maintain that, that, upright uh, reputation um and so yeah so whatever the outcome of this is uh, it, it is very important that they t- take a properly hard stand especially after you know this is a second defense from him it's it's not yeah well oh, that's what you said yeah. like, as i mentioned earlier that he, he did this last year and i kind of gave him a slap on the wrist then he signed a new contract uh, the wording of the contract i think that's going to come out that's going to be interesting to look at but ultimately uh israel Folau's rapping career is over I'll probably suggest, and I don't think the game will miss him. I mean, as a footballer, he's an outstanding player, uh, probably one of the best running 15s in the game. Uh, but as a person, uh, his views, or maybe the public expression of such views, I said I'm not quite sure where the line is. It's, it's, it's a moving target. Uh, it just doesn't gel with the game, I think. And I think <laughs> you and I, and we're being quite, uh, what's the word, diplomatic uh, about this. Um, I know I, I, I strangely disagree. Uh, with Falau's views, I'm sure if Ant, uh, Alex or Ben, they would <laughs> they, they would drop f bombs left, right, and centre uh, <laughs> uh, uh, about it. Um, so yeah, I think that that's the major thing, and I think as you mentioned, it's a great big game of all sides. We have the Josie Katia in Johannesburg. Uh, the well, I think it's actually South Africa. I don't know. Well, they, they travel around the country. I, I do stand misinformed. There are on Facebook guys. You can go follow them. There are the Sydney convicts uh, as well in Australia. Also a gay rugby team. And there's also tournaments uh, that were started. Alex brought this attention to me. Uh, the Mark Bingham Cup that was started in 2002. Mark Bingham, he was a gay rugby player, played for the San Francisco side. 
Um, prior to 2002, he was killed in the September 11th attacks. And afterwards, I saw the tournament in 2002. It's been running ever since. Uh, and I think the last tournament they had, according to the video I watched, was in Amsterdam, where they had over thousands of players. You had uh, straight players playing with, uh, excuse me, heterosexual, to, to be correct, playing with uh, gay rugby players, just emphasizing that rugby is a game for all. Um, so it, it shouldn't be restrictive to anyone. And I guess, what do you do with this in a dressing room? Really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, especially with such outspoken characters like yeah. David yeah. Pocock in the same team. You know, I mean, he's famously not getting married <laughs> until they get equal rights. I don't actually know if he's finally got married now, but, yeah. you know, it's not, it, yeah, there's very, very strong opinions in the same change room. So it'll be very, I, yeah, I can't imagine that he and Pocock are going to be, you know, super close buddies. No. It, it must be difficult to kind of, um, when it is such a fundamental um, opinion, I suppose, you know, religion does tie into your entire personality. And so it's it's difficult to isolate that away from the person that you are. It's difficult to say, like, I'm sure he's a nice guy on a night out type thing. But, yes, he's also has got these other opinions. Um, so, it, yeah, it will be tricky. And But it is good to see that there are other rugby players, you know, coming out and calling him out. You know, Joe Marler, Adam Thompson. Uh, uh, yeah, I think Marler. Joe Marler, the way he's done it, has just been particularly yeah. He's been, he's been a hero. Before we just go to Joe Marler, you make an interesting point. I just think the dynamics in the dressing room, beyond the uh, the meta issues here, uh, the micro issues in the dressing room, kind of what sort of effect does this have on the team, it, it will most certainly be net negative. So I think, as I said, his rugby career is over. Uh, what's interesting is some of his uh, Wallabies teammates, like Simon Karevi and a few others, liked his post, and someone else in uh, the UK who got into big cuck for it, or is getting into cuck for it, is Bernie Villapola. He yeah. liked the post, apparently. But then Joe Marler, uh, who recently retired from rugby, uh, he, he, I guess he's been the Twitter winner of the week, uh, I'd almost say. Actually, we can maybe even give him the Adam Thompson uh, call-out award, uh, just for, for being such a champ. Um, yeah, I think if, for the level of banter involved in the call-outs as well. Yes, he, I know he's been sending uh, Israel Flower pictures of men kissing uh, on Twitter, just yep. uh, getting up <laughs> his face, which, which is great. And then I'm just reading this from it's just a, it's a it's a cycled rugby lad uh, lad's balls just because I had something about Joe Mola. he did it to Vinipola uh, so yeah I see Vinipola he came out and supported Falau yeah so Vinny Vinipola was a, he was actually he was he didn't just like the post he came out with a vocal thing saying that he deliberately will not un or remove his like because he shares the same beliefs and he doesn't want to um, you know, he's tired of people telling him that he can't have these beliefs, those types of things, um, which is similar, I suppose, to what Falau is saying in a way, is that, you know, again, it's kind of similar to the free speech argument. But Yes, yeah, and, then, <laughs> and then the RFU following that, they did say that rugby is an inclusive sport, as we've said, and we do not support these views. We will be meeting with Billy to discuss your social media posts. So that's what the what sort of spokesperson said for the RFU. Uh, but Marlo, what he said, I mean, he'd been sending stuff to Falau, as you mentioned, and now he's gone for his former England team teammates. Oh, geez, okay, that's what he did. It's so funny. Yeah, that's uh, great. It's so good. Uh, in his post on Instagram, uh, let's see what Vinopola says. It says, just comes a point when you insult what I grab believing in. Okay, that's what Vinopola said. So Marla, <laughs> he, he posted, is this Twitter? He posted on Twitter following that a picture of Vinopola being taken out of a bar. And he tagged him. And in the picture, there's two little beer glasses, mugs uh, ch uh, chinking. And in the picture, you can see Vinopola hammer drunk. Oh, he's absolutely wrecked. <laughs> he's so injured. You can see his like his white eyes. Like you know, we we unfortunately shirt untucked, just like yeah. <laughs> if you've been there, if you've been there, if you've seen it, you'll recognise it uh, most certainly. So, uh, Joe Marler, you are our first recipient of the Adam Thompson Callout Award. Adam Thompson, uh, you're just a good guy. Thanks very much. 
And I know Ben is still dining out on the fact that he allegedly picked you while drunk as his captain in 2012, and he got double score for you. Uh, the, the, the Thompson did, did talk to Ben a little bit about that. So uh, thanks, Romana, just just for keeping it light in, in, a, in a week where it's been pretty heavy, that's for sure. Uh, moving yeah. on, moving on into into some some actual rugby news. The rugby championship schedule uh, has come out. It's a shortened version of this year's tournament. It's only one, two, three, three rounds, just given the Rugby World Cup's happening. For once, and so I don't know what you think about this, it's South Africa versus Australia starting off the tournament instead of us playing Argentina, which makes for a nice change. Yeah, I think, I mean, we've all, all kind of got a bit bored with the same stale format in the sense mm. that it's us home and away against Argentina. We travel, then we come home and hopefully try and have a winning game against New Zealand if they haven't run away with the tournament by then. Um, the fact that we play, <laughs> the fact that we have to play New Zealand away isn't quite ideal. Um, but if we can take a game against Argentina and uh, away in Australia at home, then you know that's not not the worst setup we've got. Um, uh, and we're playing. Uh, what does interest me is the venues uh, selected. The see, because we only have two home games uh, this season against Australia. That we host them here in Johannesburg at Park. That's kicking off at five o'clock on July twentieth. While Argentina hosts New Zealand uh, in Buenos Aires. In the following week, we faced, uh, sorry, we South Africa faced New Zealand at the Westpac Stadium in Wellington, the site of last year's awesome victory. Australia versus Argentina in Brisbane. Excuse me. And then the last round of fixtures, Australia versus New Zealand in Perth. And then we play Argentina away. So Argentina get two home games while we get one. But then, interestingly enough, the following week, it seems like they created this, not created, they had this extra week. Uh, where it's New Zealand versus Australia as part of the Bernardo Square Cup. That's Eden Park. And then we face Argentina at Loftus. Uh, on August 17th. This is uh, with the World Cup just right around the corner. Uh, why, yeah. do you think, why do you think they're playing both the games up here on the high field? I would have maybe thought they might have sent a game to, I don't know, Cape Town or, or Durban or something like that. Yeah, look, I mean, I don't think it's the worst decision. Cape Town famously has significant stadium problems, so yeah, there's probably true. lots of clearance issues to try and get us a game there, and they yeah. probably don't yeah. want to go through all that admin unless it's the All Blacks or something. Yeah. Um, and Durban famously has terrible, terrible crowds. So yeah. I can understand that, you know, keeping the games up on the high felt is, is probably a good idea from that perspective. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, advantages to our team aside, like I think just from a commercial and supports perspective, mm. it's, it's probably the right place to keep games if we've only got two in a season, you know? Yeah, you, you've, been to, you've been to Ellis Park, though, haven't yeah. you? Yeah, and have you been to Loftus? For... I haven't been to Loftus. Loftus no. is cool. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, I was at Ellis Park. That's your, your, your favorite stadium, no, man. It's, it's, well, no, no, no. I'm a Lions fan, okay? I, I, just, I really want to make this 100% clear. I'm a Lions fan, but I, I had a great match day experience at Loftus because it was a bit more chilled out, easy to get to. We had to take a bus, in fairness, my brother and I. For the... Ellis Park is, or um, Emirates Airline Park, is a nightmare. That to, is fair. To get into, like once you're in the precinct, oh yeah, yeah, no, your car, in the, in the... then it's lacquer. Uh, but, but, but yeah, that, uh, that process to get there was is is painful. Oh uh, yeah, no, especially when it's a sellout. It, it's yeah, painful is the, the correct word. So new schedule. Uh, I think if we yeah, I'm looking forward to July 20th. I think just like today's Game of Thrones day in the United States, Sunday, where we'll, everybody will hopefully get to watch it. Monday, July 20th will be the same where we at least get a new start to. The rugby championship. Do you think it's about match to compare Game of Thrones finale to the rugby championship? I don't think the rugby championship's quite on that same level, huh? No. Particularly the World Cup, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
But yeah, okay. It'd be nice. Well, I suppose you could draw parallels. You know, this year there's a significant threat coming from the north. You know, there's England, the danger of the White Walkers, I suppose. Yeah, um, from their sunshine. Like, I, th- I think we can definitely make some parallels if we want to push the issue. Well, we could. Um, we, we, I'm sure at some point when it comes to the World Cup, we could probably. Because by the time the World Cup rolls around, we'll have a conclusion to Game of Thrones. We could probably make a a comparative study. Between oh, yeah, are you suggesting that Game of Thrones is going to be prophetic to the winners of the World Cup? It could be. You never know. Um, I mean, there's there's always some conspiracy theory every year for every type of World Cup. You know, you had the octopus for the one soccer World Cup. So, like, true, who knows? True. Maybe this is each each house will represent a different country. And so, you know. <laughs> yeah, a bit of a stretch. But you never know. Uh, you, you never know. But as you said, not quite the same level. 20 million people tune in to watch an episode of Game of Thrones. I don't know how many people watch a rugby championship game between Australia and Argentina in Argentina. But probably a lot less. So, I, would, I would guess. Uh, <laughs> I probably like... 30,000 or something like that? It's not a lot, um, unfortunately. So, uh, just some other news that's come out this week from the transfer side. There were reports on Thursday that Springbok and Bill Fly Hunter Pollard is reportedly in high demand, understandably so, overseas. Uh, Netback24, they reported on Friday that Pollard, sorry, so it's on Friday, that Pollard could be lured to France after the conclusion of this Israeli World Cup. Apparently, Montpellier. They're offering him 20 million rand a season. So that's about, I don't know, like 1.2, 1.3 million euros a season, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, it's a crazy amount of money. I wonder, does that mean that they're going to get, the, they're getting rid of Cruden? Hmm. Yeah. Because, I mean, I, I do remember there was comments from their, their owner, yeah. uh, Mohamed Altrad, who was saying that Cruden was a terrible buyer because he's always injured. <laughs> yes, he said that he didn't, didn't, didn't get, uh, off of, ask this version. Same as the guy too long or some comments about Julian Sevilla. Uh, Alfonso yeah. Mayer, uh, the CEO of the Bull Bulls Company, said there had been no official offer. So, excuse me. Don't know why I, I had breakfast. But the Bulls were aware of Montpellier's interest in their player. Uh, the Pollard's contract for the Bulls expires at the end of October. So, that's the World Cup. See, Pollard, 39 test caps. He's been in the Bulls since 2013. Let's see, blah, blah, blah. I mean, we'll, I think probably closer to the World Cup, we'll have a quick chat about uh, the players who are going to leave. But we'll just leave that there for now. But Pollard, if he did go, wouldn't be wouldn't be surprising. Um, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of guys will try and take that 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 you know big paycheck for the next couple of years. It'll be interesting to know. I mean, I'm surprised how many people are or how many players are suggesting that they're leaving, even though we've got a, a Lions tour in two years. I mean, I suppose the that's just highlighting that the fact that we've removed the overseas eligibility rule, like. Yes. The player's like, well, you know, if I've got 50 caps by the time the Lions tour comes around, they're still going to pick me if I'm the best in my position. So, yes. you know, which is. Maybe not the the best situation to be in, uh, but uh, let me put it this way: I see, I see Esrabi's point of view on that one. It's it's they can't stop the tide in a certain yeah. sense. So I mean, one way or the other, they're going they're going to lose out. So, but I think their first squad selection in 2020 will be quite indicative. Also, depending on who the coach is, is, is it, it going to be Rassi? Well, I mean, Rassi was never meant to be the long-term coach. Yeah. He was always only ever meant to be the coach until the World Cup. Yeah, um, yeah. But I've heard absolutely nothing about any potential successes or who he's kind of yeah. looking at for guys afterwards. Yeah, I mean, there's always – Dion Davids is always kind of floating around as a name. But I don't think his stock has done too much in the last two years in the Pro 14. No. Um, so we'll, we'll have to see uh, next year. So some other box who might be on the move uh, well, or will be – this came out today, a report. They said that uh, DDA, Damien DeAllender and Jesse Creel, and Jason Jenkins, they're all set to sign deals in Japan after the World Cup. Uh, DeAllender, he's apparently going to sign up with the Panasonic Wild Knights. That's coach by Robbie Deans. Um, and he see, it says here he will reportedly be unavailable to the Stormers. But his contract will run from 2020 to 
from January to May. I don't know if that's the worst thing in the world. Uh, DDA is, uh, hasn't been that consistent. Quill, he's also received an offer from a Japanese club and has already informed the Bulls and SRA by his intention to accept the deal. A source close to, to the player said that he'll definitely play in Japan next year. Jenkins is also believed to be going there. It's uh, one test cap. Yeah. Okay, so they're all going to be off as well. Uh, Super 14, uh, Super 15 draft next year is going to be a nightmare. Oh, Super that. 4. Oh, yeah, no, it is Super 15. Yeah, yeah Super 14. Be... Yeah. Very interesting. Um, yeah, look, I don't think it's it's the worst. Those, those three players particularly, I don't think it's the worst things for them to go. Like, yeah, fortunately, yeah. we do have some solid backups in most of those positions. And, um, you know, those guys have got enough. They've had been playing for a long time, and they've got enough experience that if they want to go overseas, make some money, and still kind of be available for us, that that's fine. Yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, if you've got local guys such as Am, Estes and Virgo Udendal that are you know really pushing on the door that's actually great I'd rather not have DDA or Creel blocking their, their <laughs> gateways you know what I mean yeah no uh, 100% so as I think next year is going to be very very interesting in terms of the player turnover but from South Africa's point of view it's going to be immense and I think New Zealand uh, are starting to feel a pinch as well because uh, we're going across the Atlantic uh, three, let's see, no, 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 no. oh Major League Rugby it has announced a revamp an expanded format for its 2020 season. A two-conference system will be adopted for its third season of the America Tournament, uh, which will include three new teams, the New England Free Jacks, I, I, that must be a local thing, Old Glory DC, God, that's a terrible name, and then Atlanta's, <laughs> <laughs> this is so bad. I guess you had the choice. <laughs> yeah, and, and Atlanta's Rugby ATL, okay, I, I, I kind of get that. The 12 teams will be divided into the West and Eastern Conferences, the Western Conference will comprise uh, Austin, uh, Houston, Glendale, San Diego. That's my team. I, I just picked them to support. Joe Peterson apparently is still playing for them. The San Diego Legion. The Seattle and Utah. The Eastern Conference will then feature Atlanta, Boston, Washington, D.C., New Orleans, New York, and Toronto. The 96th match regular season kicks off on 5th February 2020. Each team will play the other teams in their conference. Home and away for a total of 10 games, plus 6 cross-conference games. Hey, that sounds like Super Rugby. We know all about this. 3 home and 3 away. The season will conclude with a 5-match championship series across 3 consecutive weekends from the 13th of June. The 2nd and 3rd place teams in each conference will face off for a place in the conference final. Okay, so it's like Super Rugby. Where they'll play the top team in the conference. The MLR final between the conference winners will take place on 28th June 2020. Cool. Yeah, no, it's it's exciting. It's it's very cool to see how much it's grown in the last three years. They keep adding new teams, and it seems like there's good competitive rugby. Um, have, so you, it's, have you it's, watched it's any of it? Uh, very little bit. I've seen a couple of highlights, but I just mean in terms of the results. It seems like there are some some strong teams. It's not kind of one team is just running away with everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Alex will attest to the fact how difficult it is to tip on Super Group. Yeah, I'm sitting at like just about fifty percent. Uh, I know Ben would say always bet on gold. This is New Orleans gold. Apparently, Nola Gold. Uh, and don't, don't pick the, the Austin elite. They are not elite. No, they're, they're the opposite of it. New York, a new team, has, has been unstoppable. Toronto, as one would imagine, they've been quite strong, as well, given Canada's rugby tradition. So I think it'll be, as time passes, it'll be very interesting to watch the development of MLR. Yeah. And I think the most important thing will be its first big TV deal. Then we can really start talking about the United States being a breeding ground of rugby strength. So Yeah. No, it's, I mean, it's, it's exciting how well it's going. I mean, like, they did have that, that and I can't remember the, the league that they previously had, and that was kind of a miserable failure. So it's nice to see that this one, they've, you know, it just kind of ties in with the statements that they made when they originally launched it, is that they really weren't going to try and push to grow too fast too soon. And it seems like they've kind of, that that, that mantra has worked for them, that they've been slowly growing over the years. Um, 
But yeah, I think the other thing that I just wanted to say is I think the conference system probably works quite well for them because they will be very familiar with that from um, yes. an NFL perspective. So I think whereas we came from a round-robin background in Super Rugby and, you know, just utterly despised the conference system, I think for them it'll be a lot, a lot more of a familiar, uh, familiar concept. Yes. So hopefully they won't rebound against that too much. Yeah, um, and, and easier to sell from, from, a, from a geography point of view. It makes sense in America. Here, I guess you're right, we... We're given the, the honey of Round Robin first off, and then after we moved away from that, um, we didn't quite like it. So, yeah, I think it'll be very interesting to watch. Uh, two final bits. Oh, sorry, just a quick, quick, quick point. I nearly forgot about this. Just in terms of inclusive rugby, just want to do a shout-out to uh, Mark Bernard. I know he you'll find him on Twitter, Mark Bernard 10 He is very much uh, into and a big part of the SA Def Rugby Union. So when we're talking about rugby being inclusive sport, uh, we have a union dedicated here in South Africa to death rugby as well. I know there's also the same for cricket. Um, so a big shout out to him. He's also doing some fantastic work. And if you want to get involved or interested to read about it, you can check out Twitter. They're also on Facebook. So I know Alex knows quite a bit about it. It's a pity he's not here. He might be able to talk more about it, but also a shout out to him just to emphasize it as well. It, it, it crosses all lines. Um, in terms of crossing lines, though, the French, the clubs, they voted to keep their national coach local. French rugby clubs, this is from this is from AFP, yes. French rugby clubs have opposed the idea of having a foreign coach for the national team according to the results of a referendum released on Friday. Just 900 of the 1,742 amateur clubs in France opted to take part in the vote and 59% voted against, or 30% overall, 59% voted against the proposal the French rugby federation said despite a disappointing 2016-2019 Six Nations tournament and low expectations for this year's World Cup in France. I will respect this choice, said Federation head Bernard Laporta, who has made handing power back to the clubs a motive of his bid for re-election as FFR chief in 2020. Seems a little bit short-sighted, Ant. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, just look at the you know the home nations. None of them have local coaches, and all of them are significantly more successful in the last three, four, five years than they were when they had local, locally grown coaches. Um, you know, like... That does seem, as you say, incredibly short-sighted. I understand the, the loyalty and the patriotism view, but yeah, from a, from a national perspective, um, I think there's been overwhelming evidence that getting the best coach you possibly can is far more important than keeping true to your traditional ways, um, whatever that may be. Um, you know, I mean, and even then, look at Eddie Jones. He came in from Australia, the most running rugby type country you can get, and made England even more boring than they were before, <laughs> with incredibly successful results. So, um, yeah, there's definitely not, nothing against a foreign coach um, coming in and doing something successful. I mean, look at Ben Ryan. He didn't make Fiji any less Fijian, yes, but he did yes. make them a hell of a lot better. No, even uh, even closer to home, uh, one of the Sharks' best eras, John Plumtree, who's now the Hurricanes coach. The Sharks, yeah. the Sharks were, I'd, I'd argue, maybe playing some of their best rugby when Plumtree was in charge. And I know yeah, for, for, him, for him, for him, it probably was a good experience. You got Ronan O'Gara at the Crusaders as well. Now he's been toted around. Just having that experience, I think, adds a new dimension and brings fresh perspective. Which sometimes I think this is what happens when you keep things in house. So a bit short sighted, but that's just the way. The French, yeah, I guess it gave a bit echo chambery. Mm. You know, which no, is 100%. So I think that's the exact word. Uh, just last piece of news, the Lions, they've received a, a boost uh, with Captain Warren Whiteley. He's been cleared to fly to Australia, this is on Friday, to join his teammates. The Lions medical team said on Friday that Whiteley sufficiently recovered from his pectoral injury that has hampered his season. He'll fly to Australia over the weekend, so he's there now, hopefully. And he'll, he missed the Brumbies game, uh, and, but he will be available for the Chiefs and Hamilton and the Crusaders in Christchurch. 
And we'll chat more about that going forward. So Whitey will be back. Big boost, do you think? Uh, I think we'll get more into the, into the Lions' struggles, particularly at eight. But overall, good news. Overall, even just having his head on the field, I think will be a good start. Oh, definitely. I think they, I mean, leadership has proved to be such a strong element in the Lions' game plan over the years. And, you know, whenever Mark's, uh, sorry, not, well, Mark no. as well, because um, he is a leader in the team, but Mark's, but particularly when Whitey's gone, they do just seem to drop in terms of their, um, yeah, their direction on the field. They just seem mm. to get a little bit uh, rudderless. Yeah. So having him back, um, not necessarily because he's the best player ever imaginable. I mean, he's you know he's a very good option, but he's not going to break. He's not going to change the team by the way he's playing. It's going to be because of his leadership on the field. Um, and yeah, they have so sorely missed that so far this year. Mm. No, hundred percent. So I guess I guess that that teases up just to get start getting into the games week. Uh, sorry, the weekend's games uh, from Zimbabwe over the weekend. Uh, the first one, it was in Christchurch. Crusaders 43, Highlanders 17 in tries by Will Jordan, Drummond, Reese, Havili, Enor. Versus tries by Josh Oney, Ben Smith. Overall, it was relatively tight half-time, but then second half, the Crusaders pulled away and beat the Living Daylights of the Highlanders. Were you able to watch this, Ant? Oh, you said you moved offices. So you yeah, it's, it's, it's very disappointing. We've moved offices now, so my, my <laughs> ability to watch games and get some work done is diminished but I have managed to watch some of the extended highlights and kind of keep nice. an eye on it um, but yeah I think it's very interesting that second week in a row the Crusaders have been down at half time at home um, and then just annihilated the opposition um, which I suppose is not too surprising uh, but the, the being behind thing I suppose is a little bit um, but yeah the Crusaders have some just unreal players I mean how they keep bringing through fresh talent I mean we just started the season when you had Mateele and, and George Bridges your first choice wings mm. Like, who's even worrying that those guys haven't played for the last three weeks? You know, with Reese, Will Jordan, Braden Enel coming through, like, you don't even... They've just got so much talent in every position at every depth. Like, it's silly. I, know, um, I just know in I know you're, you're part of one of our draft leagues, and uh, Ben, Ben in, in the other league, he had Reese. He, I had Reese as well. I did, was very happy with that decision. Who, who did you face this week? Uh, Kyle Thompson. Oh, jeez. Oh, rest in peace, Kyle. Like, Reese got over 100 again. And, and he is... He's not even first choice. That's the scary thing about it. What the, what the fuck? <laughs> Honestly, and, and Will Jordan, he's he is, I think... He's I don't a top try scorer. Yeah, he's a top try scorer. And he's, and he's only, come off the bench most of the games. Like, it's unreal. And he's heat. He, he is absolute heat. And Bridge has been poor, but we know how good Bridge can be. It's just, I don't know how they keep unearthing this sort of, sort of talent. Uh, I think a lot of credit, I guess, goes to Scott Robertson and his coaching team as well, just for building this sort of culture because they are, they, they are a what's the word? They're a bulldozer. They're just literally yeah. an unstoppable bulldozer. Like with the Lions playing there in two weeks, I am worried. Because oh, it's going to be messy at this rate. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> going be, it's, it's going to be an absolute massacre. Uh, I know Richie Mwanga. Uh, he came back to some of his best form as well. Uh, yeah, he's, he's playing some very lack of rugby. Yeah, it's a bit of a slow start to the season, but he's on fire at the moment. I mean, he was just busting through tackles and out-sprinting defences. Like, yeah, he's playing some very, very nice rugby. Yeah, and then just, just the likes of, I mean, Sam Whitelock, Scott Barrett. Up front, I know they've had issues. Owen Franks, he was injured again. Marco Alatoa, he's proven a very able replacement. Cody Taylor, he didn't even play. He was injured. <laughs> As well. Even That's the scary thing. Is it's not even. I mean, for most of the season, they haven't even been playing with their first choice forward pack. It's been maybe you know 30% first choice, and they're still annihilating opposition. 
Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we can't sing, sing the praises of the Crusaders enough. I mean, they have an outstanding pack that builds the platform for their, for their backs. I think most critically, because I was following text commentary for it, if a team makes even... Like, often, I know the Springboks are Jake White era. Uh, did you know Jake White coached Springboks, by the way? I, I've heard, I might have heard about that oh, once or twice. Okay, well, I just wanted to let you know. Um, uh, did, did, did you hear Jake White you know, was, was sad this week about how lonely and difficult it is to be a coach? No. You read that article. No, really? Did he did Jake White say I was sad and lonely being a coach? Yeah, he's saying it looks all glamorous, you know. We get to go to work in, in tracksuit pants. Um, but it's actually very, very, very lonely. Um, you know, so, so maybe, maybe have a little bit of sympathy for him, you know. It's, it's okay. a very tough life the, 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 these coaches live. Well, then, yeah, him and Eddie Jones, uh, they can they can have, have a big fat chat about that. I, I don't know if they're still traumies, but we'll we'll see. As well. <laughs> um, oh, but yeah, so the, the point I was going to make is yeah. the Springboks of Jake White era, we profited off, profited off other teams' mistakes. We forced errors. The Crusaders, even if you make a tiny error, they profit from it. So the big errors, they'll hit you on the break, score a try, but on even the smallest stuff, they make you pay. I think that's also what really separates them from the other teams. It's very much them at the top. Then you have another tier of Super Rugby te- uh, teams, and then another tier of the worst teams. They just punish any mistake. South African teams, we don't do that. We'll knock it on. We'll take the wrong option. The Crusaders, they just they are so clinical in in taking teams apart when they make errors. Uh, same as the Highlanders. The many profited off their errors. Knock on Reese's try. I think it was a kick through. Uh, one of them anyway. That he he gathered sprinted all the way down. Um, yeah, they just just unbelievable. Uh, and for the Highlanders. They're struggling. They are really struggling at the moment. I think they're two for five or two for six. I don't have their full record in front of me. Aaron Smith, he is coming back in a couple of weeks. I think that's key. Where do they go to from here? I think they're they facing coming last in a New Zealand conference. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's quite a, a weird turnaround. It's, I mean, it's nice to see that the Blues are finally not the guys in the bottom. Um, but, yeah, it is a bit unfortunate for the Islanders. I think... What we've always known about the Highlanders is that they're a very much a workman-like side. You know, they don't have many superstars. You know, they've got Ben Smith. How good is Ben Smith? That first oh, try, geez. 150 test caps, just a bit of a shout-out to him. <laughs> um, yes, he's unbelievable. <laughs> no, he is. He's, he's outstanding. Uh, so, sorry, you were saying? It's about the la- um, yeah, but yeah, so you take, you know, you, you you take a workman-like pack and you remove one or two game-breakers in the sense that you take out um, Alima Sopoanga, you take out an Aaron Smith, like suddenly their team becomes very average. Like, you know, most most of the New Zealand players, uh, you would be able to say that most of the guys are playing for most of their franchise. You say, I think most other teams in South Africa or Australia would be quite happy to take, you know, five or ten of those guys and put them in their starting lineup. There's not too many people in the Islanders' team that I would say I'd really like to be playing for the Sharks or the Stormers or the Bulls. Like, you know, Frizzell's outstanding, Ben Smith, obviously. Yeah. But, you know, even someone that's been as highly touted to say Tavita Lee, like, He's much more a workman-like player than a, you know, I mean, he's not a nanai. Like, mm. the guys that are the average players in the Blues back line are all have more game-breaking abilities than pretty much everyone in the Highlanders team. Yeah, and I think one area, and it just alludes back to the Crusaders, they've been exposed for their depth. I think, weirdly enough, up front, I know when they played the Hurricanes a couple of weeks ago, they bossed that. Uh, they, they did back to the Hurricanes pack very well, and they've developed, actually, their pack isn't that bad. But it's especially in the back line. Uh, Marty Banks, injured. Wazaki Nohola, injured. I know he's been terrible, but injured. Um, the Barracuda, Richard Buckman. It was Marty Banks' Barracuda. I'm getting confused. Buckman, injured. At number 10. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, at number 10, Sopawanga leaving. I know Sopawanga hasn't been that great for Wasps this season, but he's left a huge hole there. Joshua Arnie hasn't been too bad, but him and Bryn Gatland, they haven't really been able to quite fill it. 
Aaron Smith key, like Hamilton, I mean, he's okay, but it's such a drop-off from Aaron Smith as well. So if, if the likes of Ben Smith, uh, where am I? Aaron Smith, sorry, the two Smiths as well, maybe one or two leaders in their pack, if they don't step up, they're very much a team that needs their stars to perform, I think, to, to really get them over the line against other sides. So I, I just think they've been a little bit exposed uh, from a depth yeah. perspective as well. Very much so. Okay. Uh, do, you have, do you have any further comments uh, about about this one? Uh, the, the Crusaders marching on. Um, yeah, not really. I mean, if you've got any free money, just put literally all of it on the Crusaders to yeah. win another title. Like, it doesn't matter. Even if the odds are like, you know, ten to eleven, like you're still gonna make a return. <laughs> you know, I was thinking. Okay, we won't get to the Sharks just yet. Uh, I won't make silly statements, but they've now won twenty four games in a row at home, which is insane. <laughs> So, uh, it's, uh, and they're going to top the log, so they're going to play yeah. or play this final at home. So, like, you know. It's uh, standard stuff. So, yeah, Crusaders, their march continues. So, the other ga- next game this weekend. Uh, one that surprised me a little bit, but maybe others were not. In Melbourne, Rebels 24, Stormers 41. Tries of Magna Guinea. A good try by Will Guinea. Reese Hodge, you picked up an intercept. Uh, they were overpowered by the Stormers. Ruinel. Finally bagging some meat. He got two tries. Damon to Islander with one side of one. Juan Augustus and Dylan Lades with an outstanding try. I must say, he picked up a loose ball in midfield and decides through a gap. And he's really come to play just in the week when my fantasy opponent in my other league, Alex H, had him. I was thinking, oh, you know, Stormers plays that aren't a threat. And then he ends up uh, coughing up a, a try. A great performance for the Stormers. And finally, they're, they're finally stepping up, I guess. Or do you think it was just poor Rebels? Uh, with, what was the difference here? Because most people I see in Super Brew, they picked the Rebels to win, 87%. Well, I mean, the Rebels were definitely the favourites. You know, they're the strongest team in the Australian Conference. They've got superstars across the back line. The Stormers have just come off a tour where they've looked absolutely headless. Um, <laughs> you know, they've lost all their senior players. They've got Ed Sabeth, Peter Steph, Detroit, Khaleesi. Like, mm. how on earth were you going to pick the Stormers to win this? Um, but, yeah, I think I think there was, a, a, from what I understand, again, I didn't get a great view of this game. This, mm. this, TV situation at work is a very big, big problem. Um, <laughs> but you know, from what I understand of the game, is the strategy that they used against the Hurricanes in the first game of the tour, where they were much more forward orientated, much yeah. more defensive, which they shifted, and you know they were around the Hurricanes very close. So they probably deserved to win that game. But then they shifted to a much more frantic, shifting the ball wide as quickly as possible strategy for the next two games, which backfired horribly. Yes. Um, so I think they moved to a bit more of a workmanlike approach. Um, you know, try and limit was ball in possession, which means you can't, like, you know, give it to DDA, who's going to give a turnover away. Mm. Um, and that seemed to work for them. Um, you know, they did capitalize off a couple of mistakes. You know, both of Ruanel's tries were quite lucky. Even Lades' try was, you know, weird. The, the Rebels looked yes. like they were about to break out. He kind of scooped up a, a loose ball and just kind of ran through a hole. Um, mm. But the point is, is it's, you know, pr- um, defensive pressure creates um, mistakes. And you, if you can capitalize off those mistakes, you know, you can rack up a big score. Yeah, um, I'm, just, I'm just looking at the possession stats. I think you'll maybe find these ants, given that uh, you do have uh, a statsy background. The Rebels had 68% possession, percent possession uh, in, in this game uh, overall, where, where 30% of that possession uh, in the Stormers between the halfway line and the 22, and another 23% of that possession in the Stormers 22. Uh, while the Stormers itself, just from, from some attack stats, I'm just getting these from uh, newzealandherald.co.nz slash rugby, Carries, Rebels made 154 carries, Storm was only 70, but in terms of meters gained, Rebels 369, Storm was 449. So it's almost about 
more meters on half the amount of carries. I think the most revealing stat, which is quite interesting as well, is tackles. The Rebels made 59 tackles but missed 33, which is huge. The Stormers made 174 tackles and only missed That's 22. That's an insane missed tackle rate. That's like 50%. Uh, yeah, or over it, or close to 40%. So I don't have a calculator in front of me. That's horrible. You know, the Stormers made three times the number of tackles but missed 11 less tackles than, oh. than the Rebels. <laughs> So I think that tells you lots about what you I think what you're referring to. They, they simplified their game plan, were strong in defense, and they enforced errors and capitalized on them. Yeah, but it's I mean it's yeah it's interesting that these this kind of performance came without the guys that you'd expect to be good yes. at this. You know, your your defensive heroes such as Peter Steph Tutoy, who's meant to make 50 tackles a game by himself. Yes. You know they did this without any of their their big names, um, and so that was very impressive. So. Who knows? Maybe, maybe I don't know what that is going to mean for the Stormers' season going forward. Um, you know, like I mean, there's always been been criticisms of Kalisa's leadership, but yes. the fact that they could put in such a con- composed performance without him, um, whereas the last three weeks they looked quite lost and rudderless, is not a good indication. It doesn't support that theory. Yeah, who uh, who was the Stormers' loose trio? I wish I could bring it. It was uh, Jakob Kutsia, Ernst van Day, uh, van Rijn, and Kubis van Dijk. You know, I mean, like three. You know, they all, none of them are bad players, but they're all fairly workmanlike. You know, Van Rijn's 21. He played under 20s last year. Van Dijk's, yes. you know, he's a Curry Cup kind of level player. Like, And then Jakob Kutsia, I mean, he's... I mean, Alex and I both rave about him. But yes. again, pretty under the radar. Like, um, he's definitely by no means a big-name guy. Um, I think, you know, Augustus came off the bench and he, he had a, a good impact as well. But, you know, if you compare that to their meant-to-be starting mm-hmm. history of, of Khaleesi, Peter Seftutoy, and Notcher, you know, three, you know, stop you know, uh, first choice spring box. Like, it was a very workmanlike pack. You compare their, their locking pair of um, Kubas Visa, who's meant to be a flank, yeah. uh, who, and Murat, who's yeah, also very much still developing. He's only, what, 21, 22, versus Schickeling and Etzebeth. Like, this was not a, a first choice Stormers pack by any means. It was a huge amount of experience that they'd lost, but they put in a, a stronger performance. Yeah, I think maybe structurally with Dutoy missing, they, they play better. I'm just looking at the tackle stats on the Stormers loose trio. Uh, starting this trio, Kutsia made 11 from 11. Uh, Quibbers van Dijk, he made 18 from 19. And then uh, Van Rijn, uh, Ernst van Ro- is it Rijn or Rijn? Excuse me. He made 17 from 18 alone. And I'm just trying to see who the other guys. It's Intubini, Malherbert Dutoy. I think this is uh, Johan Dutoy. He made six from six tackles. Uh, it's Justin Phillips. And then it's just all the props. So, yeah, defensively, they were sound. So, I guess, well done, Stormers. I think a bit unexpected. Uh, just looking at some of the Rebels' tackle rates, I can't see individual missed tackles. Reese Hodge, six tackles uh, made, missed four. Uh, Jeez, that's Samisi, horrible. Samisi Tupo made three tackles, missed four. Tom English, two tackles, missed one. Meeks, three and three. Corey Betty, apparently the defensive specialist and who apparently isn't faster <laughs> than Ruinell, four and yeah, two. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, four and two. Quay Cooper made three tackles, missed four. Will Genia made one tackle, missed three. Sam Talakai, a prop. Uh, made one tackle, missed two. Uh, who was probably their best defensive guy? Adam Coleman. He made seven tackles. He didn't miss a single one. And okay. Arjun Nasser, Robbie, made that yeah. But that's, that's shocking across the board, Jesus, to be honest. Yeah. Like, I, that I, is... I think Robbie Vessels knows where that went wrong here. They just missed a ton of tackles, which is really poor. But well done to the Stormers. Great performance. I think just to sort of lift their need to come back uh, to South Africa after their tour. Right. Uh, moving on. Game of the weekend. You, did you watch this one? Chiefs Blues. I did, I did. Yes, Chiefs 33, Blues 29, absolute cracker. Uh, Jesse Peretti, uh, Peretti, Boshir with two, uh, Mukiloa and Weber with tries for the Chiefs. And Maanonu with two, uh, Rico Aini and Milani Nanai for each bag tries. What a game. 
Ants, Sydney, uh, game of the weekend. Interestingly, 58% of the people picked the Chiefs. I picked the Blues, actually, uh, which is a pity. Who'd you pick on Super Brew? I think I think I went Chiefs. I was on the fence, though. Um, oh. I must admit, I, I really thought I had picked Blues. <laughs> so I, checked, <laughs> I think I, 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 I seesawed between those decisions quite a few times. Yeah, um, oh, no, it's... I mean, Alex's comment in the group was was very telling. He says it's so disappointing that you know your rugby match uh, watching peaks at 9 a.m. on a Saturday morning, and it's just downhill from there. But it is, yeah, an unbelievable game. Um, both teams just pulling off some spectacular skills. Sean Wainui with that off the side of the boot pickup was yeah. incredible, um, and just yeah, you know, so close and just really just lovely, lovely rugby to watch. Yes. Uh, uh, I mean, yeah, that moment by one year we managed to, and it was intentional. You could see that was the idea. The fact it came off, I mean, you you, you don't get lucky unless you try. And then Boshia did a lot of work to, to score. Bookie Aloha's try, this is Damian McKenzie went, we'll chat a bit about his injury a little bit like soon. His try was great. A lot of power. He had a lot of work to get through. He got it done. Uh, and then I think, who was it? Oh, Peretti's try at the end. That was solid. Who else scored here? Oh, and Brad Webber's intercept of James Parsons. James Parsons, yeah. you, you bastard. He didn't do very well for me in draft in my one league. He had a bit of a shocker, unfortunately. I don't know him personally. I just know this week, <laughs> on, on this week's performance, I'm very sad. But Weber, Brad Webber was excellent. So I don't really know what they're going to do with Triple T, to be quite honest. He's getting 10, 15 minutes a game, which isn't ideal. Uh, from the blue side, Nonu was good. I know first Nonu is playing some incredible rugby. It's amazing to see what he's done since he's come back. Cause he's, I mean, look, he's. But by the time he left, he was probably one of the most complete twelves there's yes. ever been playing the game. Like, but he's come back and he's just still as good. I mean, he's still the same barnstorming runner, but his distribution is just so soft, subtle, and gentle. And because he's such a physical threat on the ball, like he sucks in three defenders every time, and he can just put these beautiful passes and create so much space for the guys outside him. Yeah, and what was interesting is the commentator, that's before he scored his first try, he just made the comment that he wanted to see Nanu carry more. Out of no, nowhere, Nanu, uh, first receiver, I think was off the back of a scrum, and he just took an angle going back towards the scrum and scored a try of his sheer power. Just uh, ran over three people, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe showing also his timing, because he hadn't carried much. They know you weren't thinking of him as much as a, as a carrying threat, because I know Nanai... He saw quite a bit of ball. Uh, Fayani, he, he carried a lot. So even from the game management perspective, his timing, it, it was excellent. So at this rate, he cracks the All Blacks. You're going to see someone, someone's going to miss out. And I mean, I would think so. He didn't get included in that first squad. But, I mean, Sonny builds it, and he's playing, I mean, just miles better than Sonny Bill at this stage. Like, um, there, in my mind, there's no competition there. No. Uh, it's you know, Ryan Plott, he's probably a better defensive organizer and Anton Leonard Brown is also a very, very good option, but Manu's experience and his all-round game is—I I can't see anyone matching that. Yeah, I mean globally, yeah. like. And I don't know who you choose for center. Leonard Brown has had an excellent season. Uh, Jack Goodhue has been very solid, but I used to think Goodhue was better than Leonard Brown. Alex, if you—if you do listen to this, I will say Leonard Brown's a tiny bit better than Goodhue. I will admit it. I'm a big fan of Goodhue's, but I think Leonard Brown is a slightly more complete player. I'll say that much. But you've got Goodhue. Leonard Brown, Crotty, Nonu, and then a guy like Lamapi. Lamapi, yeah. <laughs> I think what might count against Lamapi is he's specialist 12. Because Nonu can shift, I think. He's experienced another thing to make that shift. So you're going to have a guy like Ngani Lamapi, who would probably make any starting test team elsewhere around the world, definitely Australia, probably South Africa, um, and he's not, he might even not make it all blacks. That's, yeah. just, that's just how, how much depth it's been. I, I love watching Nanai. He's, so oh, 
He's just so silky with his running. It's just beautiful. Is he is he the best player in Super Rugby than not capped by the All Blacks? The best back, I'd say. The AKA the James Lowe Award. Yeah, I mean, I I I could get behind that statement. Um, I'm just trying to think of the Crusaders guys. I mean, you get young guys. Well, I mean, Will Jordan is yeah. stunning. But, I mean, yes. he will be capped by the All Blacks uh, yes, within a year or two, like he 100%. Will. He will. Um, whereas I don't know if I see Nanai getting a cap. No, I don't think he will. You know, how, how, how old is Nanai now? Uh, I think uh, he's 27. Let me just let me check. Milani, Nanai. No, he's, he's 25. So he's still got oh. some time on his hands. Like, he, he, he could still get up there. But I don't know. I, just always, I, I always get the feeling that Blues backline players just don't get picked for the All Blacks. Like... The Blues just don't play the same kind of game as the All Blacks, but the Crusaders do. So if you're a background player for the Crusaders, you're more likely to fit into the All Black kind of structure. Um, so therefore, you're more likely to pick. So like, no one can deny the talent of Nanai, but he's much more of a, you know, kind of a frenetic, bluesy type, a free-for-all player rather than a structured... You know, he's not a tactical fullback. He's not a Ben Smith. No. Uh, and I think that kind of will count against him in, in an All Black selection conversation. But that... Yeah, doesn't for a second deny that he's an unbelievable player. Yeah, I mean, he's been capped by Samoa under 20, fun fact, Samoa under 20, five times, and he was born and raised in Samoa. So I don't know what... Yeah. Wikipedia fun fact time? Yeah, definitely. Always, at least once a week, as you know, uh, fun fact time. <laughs> he's played for the Barbarians as well in 2016. So again, also a high-quality player. Uh, Akira Iwani, I know he did a lot of carrying, but uh, he's since he was included in that war, that all-black squad... He's in the running now. His work in the tight, he's always been great as a ball carrier, his work in the tight and putting in the work, I think it's been quite impressive as well this season. Yeah, I'm, that, that's always what we've been saying he needs to do. Like, no one's ever denied that he's a barnstorming runner with a little yeah, bit of space yeah. or power off the back of a scrum. But, you know, your eighth man's got to be able to do some of the grunt work as well. You've got to be in a world-class eight. You've mm. got to do more than just PSP does. Yeah, you know, that's why, uh, you know, PSP, I don't think he features in anyone's conversations yeah sure he was a brilliant broken play runner but you know he didn't couldn't ruck and he couldn't do the graft so he's just he's not up there whereas akira if he can learn to do that um and it seems like he's really trying to put the work in to do that then you know he's gonna be there yes yeah. uh, someone who uh, might not be on the field <coughs> excuse me for the next few weeks is damien mckenzie it looked like he picked up an injury to his right knee obviously a concern for the all blacks coaches uh, he was good. I think the debates of his best, best position, as the commentators are talking about, has been settled. He must stay a fullback and with his brother Marty, uh, Stardy McKenzie, at 10. I like his kicking style, hey? It doesn't muck about. Just no. Like, <laughs> just gives it 10 seconds and smashes it. Uh, I mean, yeah, McKenzie was good. I'm just seeing what... Who made these comments here? Colin Cooper. At the moment, it's a, it's a strained knee, and obviously in 24 hours, I'll know better how how he is, Coach Cooper said. Uh, Chief's statement later said the 23-year-old would have an MRI scan. That's not good news. Ooh, that's, uh, yeah, that's ligament damage. That's yeah, very and, and that an update will be provided in the coming days. When asked if McKenzie would attend tomorrow's All Blacks Foundation Day in Wellington, New Zealand Rugby replied that an update on attendees would be given tomorrow. I'm just trying to see. He walked from the field. Uh, as a comparison, Highlanders lose four limb squire, tore medical limited in training last month, and has been around for eight to ten weeks. Um, let's see here. Brady Rattatic, he's suffered a shoulder injury in the match. One of the most physical of the season for either team. It was super physical. But Cooper said it was hopeful it was just a stinger with no long-term effects. Sonny Bill Williams, he underwent keyhole surgery on his right knee on Friday. An operation he described on social media as successful. Uh, Williams apparently is going to be out for six weeks. And it'll be a long one, another long wait before uh, Crusaders prop Owen Franks appeared. He injured his shoulder on the eve of the Waratahs match in Sydney uh, last week or two weeks ago, which ruled him out. So that loss and the others since. So a few injuries, a bit of a concern 
for the Chiefs. They do have the depth, though. Mookie Loka's looking good. I know Tanya Nassatero, he's playing for New Zealand at a 20, but they do have the depth as well, hopefully, to, to cover for that. So, McKenzie, if you have him in fantasy, you might need to ditch him. So, uh, we'll see. Right, moving on. Ugh. Okay, Brumby's 31 lines, 20 tries by Wright, Banks, Kurinjani, Pulu, and McCaffrey versus those by Bahusa, Yankees, and Deanti. I think the Lions, and they got issues with their loose trio. They're struggling to, to have a balanced loose trio. Particularly yeah, with Quacker missing. Which is weird, considering, you know, everyone was saying, as soon as Kyle Brink comes back, they'll be balanced and they'll be fine. Um, but yeah. that, you know, that doesn't seem to stabilize the issues there. Um, and, but I think their, their, their worries go deeper than just loose trio and their forwards. I mean, the, the scrumming performance was not up to scratch. And, I mean, they got properly shunted off the ball a few times, which is, you know, by an Australian pack, that's really not, a, <laughs> not something to be proud of um, for the Lions. No, and I know you you were quite a baggy on Hachiva Diamani's performance. He's been in and out the side. I've been a bit disappointed with him. I thought Whiteley's injury would give him an opportunity to really step up, but what's been apparent is he he's does, he lacks the physicality needed at, at, at this level. I know Whiteley is, I guess his eights go a bit more gangly compared to what a traditional South African eight is, but he still puts in the hard graft but to a better level than Diamani does. So, which which has been a pity. I know you said you had some comments also reserved for his performance. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like, no one's ever going to suggest that Whiteley is a, an eighth man in the same mold as Dwayne. But yeah. Whiteley's still quite happy to put his head in the dark places and do the hard graft. You know, if you look at his tackle stats from Springboks for the last couple of years, you know, they, they're the hard. Like, yes. the guy puts the work in. He's quite happy to take the ball in tight and do the hard graft rock hard. Whereas Daimani... A doesn't seem that willing to do that. He likes to just kind of stand wide and use his speed and step to to you know break the game, which fair enough, he's very very good at. You know the guy's incredibly quick. Yes. Um, and he is a powerful guy. But you know, I mean, there was a there was one moment that just summed it up. Is he got the ball off a nine like in the first channel, and he just got picked up and driven about five meters backwards. Um, you know, and that that wouldn't happen to kind of any other eighth man in South Africa. Um, it's a point that Alex has raised many times, and something that I very much agree with is that. If you are a loose forward player, you've got to be physical and you've got to be able to do that hard graft. You can't only play for the glory stuff. You know, I mean, look at Kwaka. Kwaka scores beautiful tries down the wing, but he's also hitting, you know, every single ruck and making ridiculous tackles. Like, you've got to do the hard graft as well. Mm. You can't just be a glory, glory loose forward. Well, I think to add some context, I'm looking at the stats from the game. He played the full 80 minutes, 10 runs, 10 meters, uh, which is from a loose forward from your eights is not great. Uh, 14 from 16 tackles, uh, which is, I mean, that, that's very good. That's, oh, that's solid. That's, no, that, that's, that's good. That's very acceptable. But when you've got a guy like uh, Stephen Lewis, he's actually a lock. Uh, he, he made nine from 11, five runs, but he made 20 meters. And then uh, Kyle Brink, let's see what we have here. Let's look at his stats. Nine from 13. Uh, yeah, again, nine runs, eight meters. I think maybe this also generally emphasizes the problem that the Lions have. Uh, Franco Mostat. We knew that was going to be a problem. They haven't been able to close him down, and I think just goes to show what a phenomenal player Franco Mostert was before he went to Gloucester. Uh, Ruan Ackerman as well, uh, also doing the same sort of job, was well complimented by Whiteley. And then Kwaka as well, because uh, Kwaka's worked great. I think at the breakdown, they're missing him mostly. I know Skuman came on later. I'm just trying to see how Skuman did as well from a tackle perspective. Four from five, uh, which isn't too bad. But he didn't really force any turnovers. Um... And yeah, they, the fact that uh, Diamani, I think maybe a broader point across the lines for pack, they're not really breaking the game line apart from Marks. Marks, I noticed that towards the latter end of the game, they kept giving him the ball. He was one of maybe the few forwards getting over the game line more regularly. 
as well. And also, I'm a little bit concerned. Uh, I know Robbie Kutsir came on, and they moved Marks to flank as well. Did you did you notice that towards the end of the game? I, I didn't notice that, um, yeah. but that's very interesting. Yeah, um, Swayce being Swayce. But, I mean, I, Marks, 80 minutes. I can understand it. I mean, he, look, he played flank until he was in grade 11, I think. So, I mean, it's not like he's unfamiliar with the position. But no. if your loose trio is just not performing, you know, you, and, you know, you want to keep Marks on the field for as long as possible. So... It does, it does kind of make sense, but yeah, it, it, it's weird now, still speaking about the Lustra, that, that how they were playing so light for so long in the tournament when you consider that they had Diamani, Quacha, and Skuman for a couple of their games. Now they've yeah. gone the complete opposite, playing a lock and Kyle Brink there. So yeah, they, they really do seem to be struggling to get that balance. Um, yeah. I don't quite know how moving marks to flanks helps with the balance, but to be honest, if Marx is on the field, he's going to be successful wherever he is, so it doesn't really matter in that sense. Yeah, just so I think loose, and I, I don't know how often these guys have played together as well. Uh, having a loose trio, I think that's kind of gelled to play together makes a big difference, and I think that's also part of the problem. Uh, there's a lot of moving deck chairs at the moment. Just a couple of bright spots, I would I'd say Elton. I, I think Elton had, had actually one of his better games uh, of yeah, the season. Yeah, he, he was a nice running threat for a change. Yeah, he was let down a little bit. Deanti, uh, I felt, was probably his best game of the season. As well, he was actually oh, really good. Steph was filthy. Yes, he he was excellent. I was really happy to see him back uh, at number eleven. Uh, Mahuza, he scored a good try as well. Uh, just looking through the stats here, uh, Kutsi was alright. Combrick was okay. Uh, Lionel was alright. But yeah, I think the forwards is a bit of an issue. I'm just looking at the team stats. Oh, the Lions are more position overall. Uh, meters, defense. Yeah, you see, defense we did struggle a little bit. The Brumbies made 154 tackles, missed 30. The Lions made 127 tackles and missed 41. So it's quite a high miss rate as well. So I think we're starting to see a trend. If you're missing your tackles, I mean, I guess it's to stay in the obvious, you're not going to do that well. Uh, just a quick thought on the Brumbies. I, uh, Tony Pulu, very nice try, but it, it seemed all a little bit too easy for him to get down the wing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really know what to make of the Brumbies. They, they seem to be in the same category as a whole bunch of teams this year where <laughs> they do, you know, an amazing thing one week and then terrible the next and then they suddenly pull out a great performance. Like Tom Banks had a really, really good game. Mostly. Um, he made one too. McCaffrey is still brilliant. Like, yeah. It's, I like him a lot. Yeah. They, they've got really good players across the park, but they'll just flip flop between a terrible performance and a great one week on week. And it's just, it's, incredibly infuriating when, you know, we'll get onto the Sharks game later, but, you know, I think a lot of fans can sympathize with this. It's just, you don't know which team is going to pick up, pitch up. Um, yeah. uh, I think one guy I, I like the look of, I know he, he was a little bit raw. Uh, what's his name? Is it Liam Wright? Or is it Tom Wright? Tom Wright. Tom Wright. He, uh, he looked very nice. I yeah. enjoyed seeing him run. I, I know absolutely nothing about him, so I just listened to what the commentator said. He's a league convert. I think he came from the Manly Eagles. He looked interesting. Better, certainly better than Ira Simone. He's busy warming the bench. I'm glad you caught out McCaffrey. Yeah. Uh, I think he's he's been one of the standout forwards this season. He's great. A lot of hard work, a lot of ticker, makes a lot of tackles. He's a good eight. I feel he's, like he's a... He's player. something the Wallabies have been screaming out for for the last three years. Yeah. Like, ever since they lost Scott Fardy, I think he's he's the guy that needs to step up and be included in that squad this year. No, 100%. He's, he's a bit different from a guy like Aysi Nasirani, for example, that bigger eight. You could even play him as a. Um, let's see, I always get confused. What's the what's the Aussie version? Uh, is seven? That's a open side. That's their, their open side is a seven. So you, I mean, I think yeah, you could include McCarthy quite happily as a, as a blind blind side as a six for them. Yeah, but, yeah. Then, it, but then you're dealing with the Hooper Pocock problem as well. So I don't know how how they how they solve no. that. <laughs> Joe Powell, uh, he was very good uh, as well. He's like a, I really like the look. Of, he, he just his service is so quick. 
as well. Yeah, I've been a fan of Powell um, since he's kind of come on the scene. He's just mm-hmm. a no-nonsense kind of clean, good scrum off. You know, does his basics really nicely. He's got enough of a running threat around the base. Like, he's, yeah, a lot less frenetic than someone like a Fibs. Um, so I'm surprised at how little game time he's got for the Wallabies over the past few years. Like, Mm. He really does deserve a better shot, I think. Yeah, uh, Pete Salami is probably going to lose his place uh, when Pocock comes back. He was okay, uh, but he didn't really have too much of an impact on the game. So yeah, the Lions, they they face the Chiefs next week. Uh, I'm, I'm worried. Uh, this tour could become a tour from hell. Then they've got the Crusaders afterwards. The Crusaders will be coming back from a bye. So it's going to get a bit messy, but we will see. Now, Ant, uh, the shock results of the weekend after the Lions absolutely oh, surrendered to the Sharks. The Sharks, it was the Sharks' best performance of the season thus far, and maybe the last couple of seasons when they put over 40 points on the Lions. They managed to contrive losing, and look, congrats to the Jaguars. They punished them 17-51. I know Robert Dupree, he's been quoted as saying, it's one of the worst Sharks' performances he has seen in years. I, I watched bits and pieces of the game. Apart from the atrocious handling, God, it was actually terrible across the board. Uh, what went wrong? Where, where were the issues? Or where, where do you start with the Sharks? I mean, <laughs> the standard thing is just the 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 up and downness. I mean, you know, to go from probably what's been described as the, one of their best performances to one of the worst within a week is just incredibly infuriating. But I think the the biggest thing for me that summed up the game was just there seemed to be a complete lack of effort on the Sharks' part. Like, if you look at some of the highlights of the tries. Um, you know, just watch the attitude of their players. You know, for example, Matera's um, breakaway and oh, kick chase. Great try. Like, Jeez. great try from him. But Bosch is a lot faster than Matera. Yeah. He's jogging next to him. And then with, you know, by the time the ball is close to the line, he stops running. He lets Philip van der Vault catch Matera before he does, which is just ridiculous. You know, if you, um, for Buffelli's try, uh, not Buffelli's try, Buffelli when he ran down the wing and mm. then stepped inside and cut behind five Sharks players. <laughs> you can just see all of them, just, they kind of just turn and just stop. You know, so eventually the ball, you know, goes through one more phase and they, the guy, um, I don't remember who it was that pushed over the try eventually, but like, yeah. you've got Rob Dupree just standing right next to him as the guy's going over the line. Like, there's, there's no, um, urgency from the players at all to try and rectify mistakes. Like, there's going to be line breaks and things like that. That's going to happen in the game. They were probably structurally more than they should have been up front. Like, the, the, the space next to the ruck was not well defended. Um, but it was more just every time there was a line break, there was absolutely zero follow-up um, and energy from, from the Sharks players to come through. Um, you add that to to some terrible handling and some you know, just poor execution. I mean, that last try where Bosch just got tackled oh. over the line and then drops it. I mean, that's just terrible. There was another one where they um, – yeah, I think there was also they, – they there was like a knock-on in the 22 and they just get rucked over um, and they just – you know, the Jaguars just scored. I mean, there, there was some shocking – individual errors and and, and uh, st- mistakes that led to tries. But in general, it was just the lack of effort. I mean, the Sharks were lucky that they got their 17 points. I think both of their tries came on forward passes. Like, this really was a, a, an absolutely awful performance. Um, yeah. Well, you're making me bring up the... I'm trying to find the quotes, actually. Rugby... Um, Andre, what's it? Mark Kroff? Mark Kroff? I can't remember what his name is. The, the, former, the former South African coach. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Mark Kroff. There you go. Uh, Mark I know he got quoted recently uh, in the media. He was talking about how South African players uh, that we are mentally weak. I mean, he, he got sacked for I think making uh, racist comments or, or something something along those lines. I'm just trying to find out Mark Croft 
Does he make some? Here we are. He said he, five he was dozen. around before Australia, yeah? Yeah, he was. He said, um, and look, I said, I don't want to excuse what he said and why he got sacked, but uh, and I don't know him personally whatsoever. That's just what happened, went down at the time, apparently. But he just said in an interview with Nedvac24 this week that he, he said South Africa's players were mentally not strong enough to, to deliver the goods at a consistent pace. And I don't really want to quote him that, but it's quite prescient that he said it this week. Um, and this is exactly what's happened. Again, the Stormers, out of nowhere, they've put in a great performance. Against yeah. against the Rebels, uh, the Sharks, they uh, hammer the Lions, and then they end up going to lose. Bulls hammer the Stormers, and then they end up losing to the Jaguars later in the season uh, to a, a truly diabolical result. So it, I, I, I have kind of felt this is an issue with the Sharks as well. Uh, Robert Dupria, do you think he might be the issue in the coaching box? I, I see, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I struggle to think that that's... A, a team goes from being that dominant to that weak because coaching strategies have changed in a week. Uh, you know, like, if, if he's coached the team to be able to put in a performance, he's not telling them to suddenly not do that, you know? Yeah. Um, as I said, I, the effort level of the players reflected that it's... There's something else going on there. I'm not suggesting that, you know, Rob Dupree is the best coach in the world, but I can't see how you can coach a team from mm. being good, that good to that poor in a week. Like, that's not a, a coaching issue. Like, there are other issues around his coaching, but yes. this type of up-and-down performance, um, yeah, I think is more more of a player thing than a, than a, than a coaching thing. I, I read a, um, a summary this morning from John Cardinelli from SA Rugby yes. Magazine, where he was yeah, just kind of indicting this, that South African rugby in general, and it's something we've known for a while, is that anytime we're favorites, we play poorly, and as soon as you kind of put pressure on us and put our backs against the wall, then we can stand up. You know, get, write us off, and we'll win. But as soon as you make us the favourites, like, you know, the Sharks put in a big, big performance last week, everyone's saying, yeah, they should punish the Jags. They played crap. Sharks are terrible. It's the same thing with the Bulls. You know, they've smashed the, the Stormers and then go and lose to the Jags. Um, so I think there is, there's definitely some kind of mental issue around that. Um, I can't remember where I read it, but apparently Yuri Geller, the famous yeah. spoonbender, uh, suggested that if he had 10 minutes with the, the English rugby team, he could sort out their mind issues. Because um, Eddie Jones was saying that they've also got lack of confidence and finishing ability. So maybe, maybe we should just bring him in. Like, you know, I don't know what why why he's favoring the English over us, but but maybe he's the solution to our problems. I don't I don't know how we can get around this because it does it seems to be a chronic problem for our teams that anytime there's some expectation or pressure on them to win. They just fall to pieces. Well, I think the best summation of that, I think we can look at the Super Rugby log for the South African Conference in particular. Uh, Super Rugby, Super Rugby, fixtures, results, logs. Uh, if we look at the the log for uh, this overall log, where's the South African log? Oh, Jesus. Uh, why? Lions? Sorry, I'm just looking at this. It makes zero sense. So just give me a second here. I just want to bring up the log. I was trying to look on sports. I've, I've got it on my side if you... Yeah, Pete, if you could just go through at that, this, the... Well, there's the, so the South African... If you go look at the South African conference, there's five points separating first and fifth. So the Bulls are Bulls are on top with five wins out of eight, 23 points. Lions are bottom with four wins out of eight, 18 points. So the Sharks, Jags, the Stormers, and Lions have all won four out of eight. So they're all on 50%. Um... The Sharks are, are sitting in second due to the fact that they've got so many bonus points. But basically, there's, all the teams are within one point of each other. I mean, if you compare that to the New Zealanders, there's 20 points separating top and bottom. Australia, there's 13 points separating top and bottom. And their bottom teams, the Sunwolves. But their second bottom teams, the, the, the Reds, which is also, you know, they, they've got three out of eight versus five out of eight for the Rebels. So it's, yeah, a very, very skewed picture on the rest of the competition versus us. Is yeah. that our, our nature... Um, 
it's just very, very confusing. I mean, the Bulls haven't lost to a South African team, and the Sharks have barely beaten a South African team. <laughs> <I'm not gonna laughs> like, they won't but be. We're, the... But we're the top two teams in the conference, which makes just no sense. Oh, and, the, and the and the and the Jags. I mean, I think we'll turn to their performance as well because you can't play badly without uh, another team playing well. The Storm is as well. How? Like personally, I know I made the bold prediction at the start of the season that the Lions had come last, and I'm I'm not taking pleasure in being proved right, but I didn't think this would happen, particularly after week one where the Bills won and then the Lions lost to the Storms, but then the Lions beat the Yoyaras away, which is a good performance. It's it's a little bit absurd. Uh, it really, really is. So maybe there is, what's the word, discord in the camp. That's probably, as you say, that's genuine. Things go a bit deeper. I know it's, uh, no, I was going to bring up Jose Mourinho, Man United metaphor, but I don't think that's appropriate. Everybody hated him, and then they had a bounce after they sacked him. But just some stats from that Yogi Aras game. The Sharks had 64% possession overall, 73% possession in the first half alone. Um, they, they had 560 meters gained versus 335, 141 carries versus 85, uh, less passes, but they conceded more turnovers. And on defense, they made 84 tackles, Missed 17. The Yagi Aras made 161 tackles, missed 22. So again, uh, and defense as well. Isn't that that's an issue of commitment? I mean, you'd be able to tell me better than that. But so that's also a question of attitude. They won more rucks, but they also lost more rucks as well. So well, they had. They, I mean, they had a lot more possessions. So that yes. it's, it's weird. From if you look at the stats, it looks like the Sharks should have been dominating. You know, yes. their defense wasn't poor. I mean, but maybe the, I think that's partly just because they just didn't even they weren't even positioned to miss tackles. They mm. just weren't there. Um, you know, but like. From the stats perspective, they really weren't far off the ball. I uh, see they had 12, 12 penalties versus five, which is which is poor. But I mean, handling errors they made fewer handling errors, but the similar with far more possessions. So none of them, like stats-wise, it wasn't a terrible performance. But that's what I'm saying. I think it was just in key moments mm. the Jags made a break due to a soft error. They capitalized. Look, the Jags, you've got to give them credit. Yes. They pulled off some magical things. We've mentioned this before that. When the Jags turn it on, they are unbelievable. I mean, you've got Matera doing a 70-meter chip kick try for himself. That's great. You've got beautiful, like, little switches and, and pop passes um, off the ruck, but fairly smashing through lines. Like, they've got the ball on the string for cross kicks. When they turn it on, they are an incredibly beautiful side to watch. But the Sharks should have been able to shot, shut down a fair amount of that. Um, you know, when the Jags are in this form, it is tough to beat them, but the Sharks should not have made it nearly as easily easy as they did. No, um, so exactly. I mean, I'm looking at some of the players that's Bosch, 136 metres, 17 carries, beat six defenders, four clean breaks, offloaded, could see two turnovers. I mean, uh, the stats all scream Sharks, but Yogi uh, yeah. I think you, you hit the nail on the head. They took advantage of all the errors. Pablo Matera was excellent. I also liked the performance of Thomas Lozano. He, he was oh, very he good was as well. Very and, good. So that, that, the setup for that first try was lovely. Yeah, that was a, that was a great offload. I think in the backs, uh, I think Miotti, Miotti, I don't know how you pronounce it, M-I-O-T. Miotti, yeah. yeah. He was very good picket fly-off. Yeah, he's added, I didn't realize he was a fly-off. I thought he was a wing after last week's performance, but he controlled the game really nicely. Yeah, he's. I think he's added a new dimension as well. I think... Uh, the previous flyers that the Jags have used this season hasn't quite matched him. Orlando got a hat trick. I mean, well, one of the tries, I mean, it was awful though. Uh, Maroney, he's actually a center. The movement to the wing, Kubeli was very good as well. Always kicking him behind. Um, Amnesty hasn't been played badly. Yeah, it's just, it's very weird to put your finger on what went wrong here. Because looking at the stats, it's like the Sharks were dominant. Yeah, I don't think anyone played particularly badly in terms of mistakes or things like that. But there just wasn't that effort level no. around to try and, you know, really. Just fight for the win type thing. You know, yeah. so they've made a line break, they just wouldn't chase. 
you know, and that's and it and it seemed to be across the board. It wasn't um, you know one player specifically. Like mm. Bosch was guilty of it a couple of times, but a lot of players were, you know, at, at some stage again, just yeah, lazy. Um, and just didn't seem interested in playing properly, which was, you know, very, very frustrating to see. Um, um, just final point, I guess, do you think they were just, what's the word, uh, arrogant, complacent? Do you think that's probably what happened in the lead-up to this game? Yeah, potentially, but you would think that, like, that should wear off quite quickly when you go 7-0 down after five minutes, you know. You would think, like, oh, crap, they're actually here to play. We probably need to step it up. And even if you don't by halftime, you know, after halftime, you know, maybe that's a criticism you can give Rob Dupree as he wasn't able to inspire the troops type thing to, you know, properly give a, a rousing performance in the second half. Mm. Um, you know, like against the Bulls a couple of weeks ago when they were behind, at least they came out in the second half and they played far better. Yes. Um, yes. That was not the case today. I mean, sorry, yesterday. Like, it was just... Yeah, flat. Very, very flat. Mm. Well, look, we'll, we'll leave it there. Uh, Sharks, terrible. We'll, I, I, I don't quite know who they play next week, but we'll look at it now. They play with the Reds. Oh, at home. Also in Devon. Yeah, they need to. Yeah, they need to turn it around uh, against the Reds. We'll, we'll discuss that when we just get on to our Super Bowl picks for the week. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm definitely going to be backing Sharks next week because they lost this week. So. Typical South African team. Up, down, up, down, up, down. Uh, and I guess when we move on to the, the game that's been rounded out the week. It was Bulls 32, Red 17, tries by Pollard, Liebenberg, and starting Aboka. Uh, Pollard got two, excuse me. And Cravey picked up two tries as consolation. Tamish uh, Stewart, you suck. He was in my fantasy team. God, he was awful. Uh, he, he, had a, he had an absolute shocking game. Uh, <laughs> someone who was really, pretty, really impressed me was, I think it's Paul Schumann. Paul Schumann, yeah. I've, uh, when he used to still play for the Cheetahs, I always appreciated him as a player. And he had a... Storming game. I mean, all the guys that came back from either injury or first inclusion or the bye last week um, really, really impressed me. So Pollard was on fire. Uh, Archie Snayman was doing Archie Snayman things. He was he was outstanding. Uh, I know he like I think he gave away a penalty or something like that, but he looked yeah, probably. Heat. But he's going to do that. He I mean, was, but his offload, his distribution. I mean, this is wouldn't even qualify as a big call, but his distribution is about five <laughs> times better than Jesse Creel's. Yeah, like. Hundred <laughs> percent. It just is. His, every time he goes into contact, he's looking to offload. He's pop passing. He's. I mean that. Um, right at the end with Chalant, that little uh, one-two back and forth. I mean that's just silky from yes. a guy that's two hundred seven meters tall. It just should not be happening. And yeah, you know, at the same time, you would never see Creel doing that ever. <laughs> yeah, and I think he's he's a bit quicker than you think. I mean he's not yeah. blitz, but because of his long strides, he he gets space. Well, he made that one. He made that one break from the twenty-two, and it looked like he was jogging, but no one could catch him. Yeah. No, I made it up to the halfway. <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad you brought up Galant. He was finally back from injury. I think maybe this performance also gives context to how important he is for them as a linking player. Because he's always generally the second-to-last or second-to-last guy to be passing to a wing to create a gap for them, bringing in the defender and then creating the gap. Or as we saw with Sleiman, uh running support lines and stuff. So, I mean, the bull, when he's in the team, they win more. I think that's the that's the bottom line. With yeah, I think well. that's a fair statement. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but overall, Skuman, very impressive. 94 meters, 16 carries. Slamman, 55 meters, 12. I'd maybe say Slamman is one of the match of the mans of the match. Uh, oh, easy. Yeah. yeah, he was great. Urendal was very good as well. Big Urendal. I've always been a semi-fan of his. He did a lot. Creel, Kutzer. Yeah, overall, it was just a very good team performance. Good to see Marco van Staden. Yeah, he, he played nicely. Um, I'm excited to see how he develops over the next couple of games as well. Yeah, I think the Bulls. Um, I mean, the Bulls. If they can just get their act together, they have had a bit of a wobble. They can they can pull away from the rest of the South African teams. I just still think they need to go 
excuse me, going to Rolf Schmitz. He's finally back. Uh, he, he played for 22 minutes, made nine tackles from nine, and made a clean break. Well, that, that's very exciting. Yeah, so the Bulls are suddenly, now that all their guys are coming back, yeah, I mean, they've, they've, they've had a rough time with injuries, but if you consider, you know, they've got, okay, well, it's not going to be back this, now the season, but, you know, you've got Jason Jenkins, you've got a couple of other locks that will come back, like, Skullcritz will be back in a couple of weeks, like, you bring in a couple of these guys into this team, it's suddenly very strong, yes. um, and they've shown that they can put in very clinical, very dominant performances, um, you know, kind of crusader-like in the sense that they just squeeze the life out of you, Um so it'll be interesting to see how they go for the next couple of weeks. Um, I'm not sure how many fixtures they've got before they head on tour, but um, yeah, they can definitely have the opportunity now to, to open up a bit of a gap over the rest of the teams. Yeah, and I think one thing I noticed in stark contrast to Sharks, you could just see that they wanted it uh, in the amount of energy that, that, that they were playing with. I think typified by Paul Skuman, who was getting over the game line uh, every, like almost every time. Like You could just see the Bulls wanted it. So if they can just keep it up, well, maybe they won't check the South African hoodoo of inconsistency, but we'll see. They just wanted it more. Uh, the Reds, they were poor, but I guess you can only... Uh, the Bulls had the win over them. The Bulls were dominant uh, for most of yeah. the game. I know Karevi's two trials were solid, but... yeah, you're the, the Reds are not a, are not an, a championship side. You know, they're no. still very much young. They're still very developing. Like, um, So yeah, if you... The, they haven't won at Loftus since, what, 2001 or something? So I don't think anyone had too many high hopes of them turning turning out a winning performance. But no, and it was just so like uh, the first penalty that Stuart got, so I watched him because he was in my fantasy team, as stated. Uh, I think the ball, it was a kick. Uh, someone kicked into touch. He went in, uh, or kicked towards touch. He slid it out, so it was, it was sort of fullback play. But then he picked up the ball, and then he tossed it around, and he got a penalty for, what's the word? Descent. Not descent, but just... A, a stupid penalty that I'm sure the likes of Brad Bourne would have been very irritated with. So, yeah, well-played Bulls. You beat the daylights out of the Reds. And it, was, it was probably the best, actually, well, I was going to say, the Stormers also played very well. So the Bulls and Stormers, they played very well. Uh, Sharks, shocking. Lions, they need to do better. Right. Yeah. Right, that's going to wrap it up for this week's games. Now, uh, And we've got quite the tough thing to live up to for Superbrew next week uh, because the guys actually didn't do that badly. Really? Yeah, they got. I, this was a tough week to pick. <laughs> yeah, I, I had an absolute shocker. They managed to pick, uh, being Alex Ben and Matt. They got four from six, so which is very good. And then they also got some match points here, so they haven't done too badly. So we need to try at least equal them or better it, and see and see how we do. So first game of the week, okay, Chiefs versus Lions in Hamilton. Yeah, I think think they, think we can make a fairly easy pick on that one. Yes, Chiefs by. I'm going to say Chiefs by, like, 16. Yeah, I was going to say 15. Perfect. Okay. It's going to be... I think it's going to be big. Okay, excellent. And then... Is this also on Friday? Oh, it is. Friday night game in Durban. Sharks versus Reds. I, I, you said to pick Sharks, right? I'm, I, I'll do the same. Uh, yeah, look, I mean... The Sharks are capable of losing it, but I see... I don't see them losing it considering they've just lost this one, so... I yeah. think that's going to be my strategy for for the next for the rest of the tournament with regards to the Sharks. I'm always going to pick the opposite results of the one they've just had. Yes. Uh, so I'm going to have Sharks. Sharks by 10. Is, uh, so if, if they can get the wood over the Reds forwards, then they should be able to pick up the win. Yeah, Ooh. and you'll have Jean-Luc Dupré in the starting lineup next week. So they'll finally have their first choice loose trio. Like, it should start coming right for them in that perspective. Yeah, and this is Good Friday, ladies and gents, on Friday. So hopefully we'll be able to also watch some games. Saturday. Huh? I've got a, an interesting fixture list versus yours in front of me. Mine says that they're playing at 3 o'clock on Friday. Yeah, that's what my Super Bruce says. But I don't know if they can be trusted. 
Yeah, I'm, well, I'm on Super Sport and I'm seeing 3 o'clock no, on Friday. It's, but it's, it's also on Super Brew and it's Good Friday, so maybe that's why. Yeah, that's maybe. That's interesting. And then, mm-hmm. But then you skip the Hurricane and the Sunwolves. That's uh, apparently at 12 on Friday, so you've got three games. No, they they have it on Saturday. Yeah, then Super, Super Sport is all over the place. Wait, then. wait, wait. Let me go to the Sandslot website. So, <laughs> this is on the Rod 9. No, that's not right. It's good to run. Who's your money on is more likely to be right? Super uh, Brew or Super Sport? Super Sport. Um. Oh, so, yeah. Friday is Sunwolves Hurricanes. That's a twelve. You're, you're correct. Yeah. So, oh, Super Sport. I'm not gonna. I can't take. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. But some of the lines are Sport 24. I know they're linked owned by the same sort of people. So who knows? Uh, yeah. Sunwolves twelve. Uh, okay. I, I don't know why it has it on Saturday. So let me just skip there. Sunwolves versus Hurricanes in. Is it in Tokyo? Yes. Uh, yes. Okay. Well, Canes. Surely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna say Canes by by like a lot. Yeah, I'm gonna say like 18, but Canes by 18. Uh, actually, no, you said a lot, so it's good. I'm gonna go more than that in my super brew. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna put 23 here. Canes by 23. That's, that's a good call. Like, that should be high enough to get the the the, the, the point. bonus point. Yeah. Yes. Uh, right. So then Saturday morning, ooh, Highlanders versus Blues. The Blues that betrayed me. I don't know which way do you want to go in this. Oh, it's tough, eh? I mean, the Blues played so well last week, and the Highlanders weren't amazing. No, but, you know, home game, didn't. Highlanders. I've got a soft, soft, soft spot for the Blues this year. Yeah, so do um, I. So do I. So... Just, just, just for, 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 you know, fun's sake, I'd like to go Blues. Like, Okay, well, we're, we're both feeling a bit jammy about it, so let's just say Blues by one. So, you know, just so we... It's going to be a close game, I yes. reckon, either way. So that, that's not that's a bad... What, that's what the guys do uh, when, when it's close. I see. I feel divorced from them. They've been away for so long. So again, thanks, thanks for keeping me, keeping me company. And we've been very lonely. Otherwise, <laughs> <laughs> and then oh no, Aussie Derby, Waratahs versus Rebels in Sydney. Oh, that's also tough. I mean, uh, well, and there's no Falau, their best back. He's gone. Well, we assume so. Yeah. Yeah. So I imagine we might end up seeing. That's screwing my super my my fantasy so hard. Like he's one of the few <laughs> consistent players that was giving me points here. <laughs> I've lost him, so that's frustrating. But um, oh god, this is actually quite a tough one to pick. Um, oh I mean, I'm I'm tempted to pick Rebels just because they've got the slightly better forward yeah. pack. They've got kind of, I think they've just got a bit more continuity in their back back line. Um, I have no idea what the, the as you say the change room impact of Falau is going to be. Um, but the, the the Waratahs do seem to get affected by that more than your average team. So. The Rebels, they, they should be the dominant side in the Australian yeah, conference. No, I, to go and I think you're right. That, that forward pack, that comment kind of swayed me. Yeah, there's a forward pack is better. I'm just saying Rebels by three, and also Falau's missing is their best back. Because, I mean, that means Bill might move to 15. Uh, they might bring in Fouquetti in the senses. To... Or Adam Ashley Cooper, who's also not oh, exactly yeah, of course, so, yeah, oh, of course, you're right. But, I mean, Falau missing is, yeah, he's their best back. So, yeah. oh, that, that, that's at least one try a game for a cross yes, kick. So. Yeah, 100%. So, we'll just say Rebels by five. Yeah, I think that's fair. Okay, Rebels with five. We've done Hurricanes that. And then lastly... Oh, oh, this should be an easy pick. I mean, Stormers, Brumbies. I'll say Stormers. Yeah, I mean, it should be. They're getting all their players back. They've both traveled across the the sea. Um, They're at home. I mean, Pocock's meant to be playing, which is interesting. But the Stormers should be better than the Brumbies. The Brumbies are on the side. I'll say Stormers by 10. 
I mean, I'd probably go a little bit less, just okay. because the Stormers don't know how to score tries. Uh, true. Uh, apart from when they're away from home. Uh, Stormers by six. Well, so they got like three, like, Ruinell picked up two tries off the floor. Um, that's yeah, so a, I think it wasn't exactly like they were creating tries. No, and that's it for a season. He's not going to score anymore, probably. So, no. Stormers by six? Yeah, that? That, that, that's that's about fair. Okay, cool. So, we'll leave that there. Hopefully, we can match the success of this week. I think I got two right overall. <laughs> Jesus, it was terrible. I, I, yeah, I don't think I was much better. No, overall, I win, uh, the actual the pods win rate at the moment is 51% versus the average of 55. Yes, that's bad. We've got, to, we've got to improve this, guys. Come on. Yeah, sorry, and uh, I didn't mean to expose you to that stat. We, we've got to do a bit better. Um, <laughs> anyway, right. Let's, that's fine. Uh, this, is, this is the comeback. You know? yeah. We've just set the expectations low. Yeah, it's true. Now it's all, it's all, up, it's all up, up, upstream from here. Um, what's left? Oh, uh, the game blame game of the week. Are we gonna? Who are we gonna give that to? Easy for Lau, just for, for causing a lot of trouble. I think that's. I mean, that's the obvious choice. Yeah. Is, like, any, is there anybody else though uh, that uh, you feel might deserve it? Um. Yeah. Look. I mean, I think teams' performances were either just completely poor across the board. It's not. You know. It's not. It's difficult to isolate a single person as being you know particularly terrible. Um. Wow. I mean, I suppose one one could throw a blame game towards ARU for for just not being hard enough last year on on Falau and letting yes. this happen. Yes. Um, Actually, let's blame let's blame them. Let's blame Rugby Australia because yeah. they're they I yeah. It's becoming a dog's breakfast. This whole mess. So let's just blame yeah, them. Yeah. But that could have been avoided if they just handled it properly a year ago. Yes. Hundred uh, percent. I mean, look, four side of twenty twenty, but yeah, Rugby Australia. Um, you should have seen this coming. Honestly, so uh, yeah. the game blame game goes to Rugby Australia. Congratulations, uh, appreciate it. Now, last, 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 but you're off the hook for a week. Yeah, you're off your, uh, finally. It only, it only, it only took a flower to say a, a very um, <laughs> intolerant statement for you to get off the list. Yeah, it pretty much took like the uh, Rugby in Australia meltdown for me to not be blamed uh, or, or being away. <laughs> Actually, no, I think I got blamed once when I was away as well. I didn't listen to last week's pod. Sorry, Ben, Alex, and Matt. Didn't have a chance. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then last last but not least, the stop, drop, and poll. Obviously, with uh, it being Izzy Mania this week for all the wrong reasons, a poll created by uh, Benjamin. Here's a simple to say, where is Izzy going? Feel free to add options. I wish he'd restricted us. So, uh, someone, and remember, this is firmly tongue-in-cheek. Just want to remind you, someone put Nepal, one vote. Oh, his wife's a New Zealand Maori Nepal player, so, I mean, okay. no, no, could fair. have a family... Um... Family affair. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Uh, then any place... Okay, no. I won't, I, <laughs> someone puts your... Um, any place... Oh, no, I, I'll leave that one out. I don't know if you look at the same poll as me. Oh, that's a little tough. <laughs> then someone said a monastery. Uh, that's one. Back to I think that's, that's probably the most realistic. I mean, that video came out of him um, giving a sermon earlier. Yeah. Yes. So, like saying some, some very strange things about Easter and Christmas, so... Yeah, I see, I see there's some very, very strong... If you, want, if you want a subtle way to get back at him, you know, this week, just send him some Easter eggs. Like, yes, that'd be uh, great. You know, that's a nice little way to... <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see what else we have. You got back to Aussie rules. That's two. But that's yeah. not going to happen because they've uh, come out very, very strongly saying we do not want him. He's got no place in our sport. Yes, 100%. But that's interesting that they've come out so strongly as well. Um, did the league? Did the league also come out against them? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The... the, the uh, Oh, sorry, yeah, it's Aussie Rules, not League. Never mind. Yeah, well, uh, Aussie but, Rules 2, then Sunwolves 2, then so, <laughs> someone said the MLR, specifically the Utah Warriors. 
Uh, they got four. I don't know. I don't think uh, the Warriors would take him. He's a bit, even bit, a bit extreme for their views. Too long? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> maybe. Somewhere <laughs> in the Midwest, they might they might appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, or somewhere in Texas. Who knows? Um, Too long? Seven, seven votes, but even the also not going to happen. Yeah, no, the, Oak, uh, the owner Bujadar called them an idiot, so, <laughs> so, so it's not going. Came out being very harsh about it. Yes, which I... is weird considering he's got Bustero playing for him, and he's you know also had a bit of homophobic spats recently. But yeah, um, and let's see, we have back to the inferior version of rugby. So I know Ben, I put rugby league in this poll, having not read that, and then Ben chastised me, so I removed it. Uh, that was eight. And then our overall winner, Tang Azed, Tang Family Cheek, we had 11 people saying, is he going to hell? So that, that's where he's going to go. So, um, yeah, a very exciting week, I think, in the Elite Rugby Banter Facebook group. Things, things got a bit heated, that's for sure. That's, that's whenever you bring up one of the sins of conversation. Uh, religion, otherwise it's also politics and money, I think. Maybe sport, too. I think. Have you ever heard of those, And The sins of conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> it would require a lot of regulation on the on the Facebook group and make sure people don't don't cross too many lines. Um, yes, but, but there's the, we also had we had, we also had another poll uh, apart from the easy one. Um, it's worthwhile bringing it up. Uh, Alex Ty just said hi guys. I'm doing a school project on something, so maybe you can help. <laughs> how, how, how good is Ben Smith actually? Uh, let's see. <laughs> well, I see Andrew voted for. Let's just say that if there was a rapey heaven, then Israel Flab, you're hoping to meet him one day. <laughs> one person said okay three said he's so good uh, four people said he's really really good and 23 people said he's quite incredible actually so a uh, nice one Ben Smith just to round it up we're going to get back to the stuff on the field uh, and is there anything else uh, on your mind otherwise we can uh, wrap this up yeah I think um, just final comment is just, let's just hope that we have a bit more consistency from South African sides going forward yes uh, yes and as much as it's been great to see a lovely competitive super rugby season where you know you don't know who's going to rock up and win each week you'd much rather because team teams were just playing better than each other and not just because teams were just not pitching yeah uh, that would be nice uh, I'm with my other wishes that I wish we could just focus on matters more on the field uh, everyone is uh, yeah it's uh, been, been a barnstorming week in the opinion sphere uh, I just wish we can get back to uh, matters on the field. Um, it's always, it's always like, I don't know. These, uh, the stuff like Israel Falah, as I said, there's many, many views on it. I strongly disagree with what he said, but um, it's just very divisive. It makes nobody happy, really. So yeah, yeah. So let's just get back to things on the field and consistency. All right, that's going to uh, wrap it up. Thanks, Ant. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. Thank, thank, thanks for having me on. No, I'm glad no. I could help out in the time of crisis. No, you did. You did. <laughs> uh, if you have been listening, thank you so much uh, for making it this far just with Ant and myself. We're available on all the social medias, particularly iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Yes, we are there. What are the other ones? Acast and Spotify. You can find us all there. Next week, I imagine we'll have a more regular lineup. So hopefully Ben, Alex, and Matt are well-rested. And uh, yes, uh, thanks. And thanks. So I, hope, I hope you've been enjoyed your week of, of not um, having to regulate the conversation a bit too much and well you know too much, you know they say you know, when, you, when you get out when you get out of the fishbowl you, you reflect you know and uh, it was very reflective I did, I did enjoy the, I did enjoy the shows obviously while I was away so yeah uh, thank you for listening <laughs> we, we, we will catch you again next week <laughs>